Thanks for listening in to the official Heartland podcast. This is Amber Marshall sharing with you the inside scoop of what goes on behind the scenes with some of our lead cast and crew. We're looking back at 15 seasons reflecting on the history of Heartland and leading up to the premiere broadcast of season 16. For those of you in Canada, you can watch the season 16 premiere of Heartland on CBC and the free streaming service CBC Gem starting Sunday, October 2nd. Our next guest, Jordy Randall, is one of the executive producers on Heartland and goes into depth about how the series began and evolved into what it is today. Jordy Randall, executive producer. So I was thinking back to the events that led to Heartland starting in the first place, and I realized that CBC had a new sort of management change, and they did a road show across the country, and they came to Calgary, and they talked about how they wanted to have a new Sunday at 7 show. They wanted to take back that family slot, which was known for years at CBC like owned Sunday at 7, and they hadn't had it for a decade. So we heard that, and we had dinner with one of the executives. His name was Fred Fuchs, and at the time, we just finished co-producing Brokeback Mountain, and he thought that movie was amazing and always thought the mountains and the sort of cowboy way was really special. So you flash forward, you know, to, you know, Michael having the option on the Heartland books and and getting the pilot off the ground in a way that CBC, which was originally supposed to be shot in Quebec, and Fred at that point saw Heartland and saw that it should absolutely be in Alberta. It should have the foothills, it should have the mountains, it should have that look. So I think that was a neat sequence of events that led through very many paths for Heartland to even be set in Alberta. Um, And then when you're looking at, you know, the pilot that was the very first, you know, example of what the show could be on screen. And again, I remember CBC calling and saying, you know, who should direct this? And we had just, uh, one of the gentlemen in Calgary we've been working with for years, named Dean Bennett, and he just directed the Walter Gretzky story. And he was someone that had an innate sense of story and an amazing ability to convert that to the screen. And so we said, well, Dean Bennett should do this. And of course, there were other people being discussed. And at the end of the day, Dean directed the pilot. And being an Albertan and being a storyteller and being a visionary, he brought something special to the pilot. And the thing that I think, in my mind at least, takes Heartland from that pilot moment to becoming a series is probably that first join up in the first episode where Amy has Spartan finally come to her. And it's the very first join up. And that's Dean's vision of how to take it, what in a script or a book says this horse does this to create magic on screen and create the first example for to me of the heartland magic which was amy and a horse so the pilot itself you know was a work in progress but that moment i think people saw the potential in the show with the cast that was put together for the pilot which was fantastic but i really think that you know people saw a glimpse of what the show could be with that moment um and we were so lucky to have all the cast that we did because they were all really embodied they embodied that uh, the characters from the book so I think those were sort of some of the key things that led us you know from the pilot and then the other key thing was really um, you know who should be the showrunner if the show goes to a series and Heather Conkey uh, came to mind for us for Michael for CBC and she's really become sort of you know again the creative visionary for the show while Dean's directed all these episodes Heather has written even more scripts and has been the showrunner from day one so the show really lives you know in her mind and so you take those I think to me the three the cast Heather and Dean and that was the magic cocktail creatively of what took it from being an interesting pilot to a show that then has run all these years. 
Well, it was interesting because, you know, the casting process has lots of stories, but, you know, the one that sticks out in my mind for sure is being, you know, days away from having to shoot the pilot and still not having cast Amy. And there were people, we were looking at their options, and I'll never forget, you know, the submission came in. And in the, you have to remember, this was, you know, back 16 years ago, and so the little video came in that was like literally not a, quite a postage stamp, but it wasn't very big. This little square on a screen that we could see this girl doing this audition and we're like I th- she's great I think she's great but it was this big so we all saw something in her and then of course you know had to you know roll the dice and we had no idea even though we knew where she was from we had no idea that Amber Marshall was not just going to be Amy Fleming but she was going to embody this character for years it is who Amber is is who Amy is and so that was not that was surprising because it was just down to the wire and how and why this audition came in so late and thank goodness we hadn't already cast somebody else we were holding out for the right thing and then you know amber sh- showed up what are you looking for bank books statements anything mom was so incredibly unorganized did she know where everything was I'm somehow supposed to make sense of this, and I don't even know where to begin. How come you're going through all mom's stuff, and you're making all these decisions about things that you're not even planning to stick around? Because somebody has to, Amy. I have to feed the horses. So that was amazing and stressful. And, you know, there's also stories about um, Michelle Morgan, you know, needing to make the last flight out of Montreal from another show to be able to be in the pilot. If she'd missed that flight, if there'd been a snowstorm, she couldn't have done the role. And the last one, of course, is, you know, casting someone, Sean Johnson, who was not as old as the character Jack and aging him up to be Jack. And the genius of that is all these years, Sean has been younger than Jack, and so Jack has become timeless because Sean is still younger than Jack, and we just age him up. So that's allowed us to um, have much more longevity with that character. So those are those are some of my favorite uh, casting tales. Yeah, so when you produce a pilot, you're really, we're talking about like somewhere between an eight and 10 day shoot, and you have a limited amount of money, you're shooting one episode, so you can't build sets, you don't have the infrastructure of a series, you're finding locations to shoot the pilot. So we found a house, we found a branch that could work in that first episode, but that wasn't going to be the future. So I think one of the neat things, if people look carefully, there's subtle differences. That first episode's the only time we ever shot in that location. And then we had to create the Heartland Ranch. And that, I think, is the huge difference, is we then were able to design the house, design the ranch, design the layout, which became the iconic Heartland Ranch. But you have to get through that first pilot to have the location because we had to be inside that house we had to have a round pen so we got those things in the first episode and then after that that's when the legacy began that's when the heartland you know iconic house was created in the round pen and everything we've done since so that was a, a major difference and the other thing that we did in that first season right after the pilot is we introduced the character of Mallory she was not in the original pilot we sort of added some scenes to introduce her there and she became a key character for many seasons and gave us sort of a you know younger comic character in the show which was missing from the pilot so that was another key ingredient that didn't exist in the original pilot so how much money does Ty make well that's none of your beeswax Mallory why CEOs of huge companies Publish their salaries in like Forbes magazines for everybody to see. If you read Forbes magazine. My mom does. 
But you gotta be paying a minimum, right, Jack? I mean, I'd be expecting a lot less seeing as I'm only 12. Well, I'd pay you something if you made yourself useful instead of following me around gabbing nonstop. Fine. Give me a job. Well, fine. Clean out copper stall. I don't do horse poo. Well, that's hard to avoid on a ranch, don't you think? You know, because we had the benefit of a series of books, that made the first season, um, I would say, easier creatively because we had the books to refer to. We could see what did the books do with these characters. Um, but that's as far as it lasted. I mean, that was really the first, you know, 13 episodes. You could kind of connect to the books a little bit. But after that, Heartland needed to become its own. And so I think in our show, we had a vision for, you know, a girl and a horse and a love story. But then once you're into this, the characters take on a life of their own and they really become who they are. And in a way, they take this show where they need to go. We've always wanted to make sure that we let the characters age and develop naturally. So where they needed to go in their lives, they came and kind of became. So it's sort of like we're guiding this thing, but it takes on a life of its own. So you just kind of want to keep it in the right going in the right direction um, and that was uh, that's really happened whether it's been relationships or kids or divorces all those things um, sort of became clear to us as we as we went along well people ask often you know why has the show been so successful why has it ran for so long why is the audience still there 15 years later and you know I think there's a few reasons I think they've you know they've obviously fallen in love with the characters so it starts with the the writing, it starts with the cast of people to feel close to the characters and want to continue on the journey. But I also think that they see themselves in characters. If you look at our show, we sort of have characters in every demographic and our audience reflects that. Our audience is in every demographic. So if you're a 12-year-old girl, maybe you were aspiring to Amy. And if you're a 65-year-old man, you get a kick out of Jack. So it's sort of like there's maybe something for everyone. And they identify with different experiences and whether it's the first kiss or marriage or divorce, there's kind of something that we've all maybe experienced in one way and another. And I think the last thing is, you know, the, they're believable. We don't let the characters um, do things just to serve a plot. The, the characters have to age and grow naturally and believably. And so if you're watching the show, it kind of morph into reality but the characters are so believable you really believe they're living this life and we hear that a lot people just they kind of just want to be on the journey because it's not contrived it's just completely natural um and so i think that's given us a, a different kind of closeness and especially now when people can go on different platforms and watch all 225 episodes in a row we never anticipated that when we started this, but now they really can spend months watching the show. And when you watch 225 hours of a set of characters, you grow very close to them. And that's, I think, what's continuing our success is people can catch up and they don't have to just see what happened last season. They can start the journey at the very beginning and catch up to the rest of us. So I always think, you know, the first episode sets the premise. I mean, you know, Amy's mom in that accident and, and Spartan and Amy and everything that came from the pilot, it's the origin story. That's where it all starts. But then what became the heart of the show was Amy and Ty's romance and, and falling in love. And that took time and it was so believable and intense and electric that that's where the show really, those first three seasons is where it was all, that's where the energy of the show was. And I'll never forget the episode where they end up kind of in a water fight in the rain and it's just like this young 
you know, innocent, true love. They were so in love, and it was such a beautiful scene, and, and they were covered in water, and they were just laughing and kissing. It was, it was quite amazing. I just feel like that's kind of one of the climax moments of their relationship in the early years when it was really, everybody was really wrapped up in that relationship. Um, but then as time moves on, that, that relationship went through ups and downs and had to mature, and then there came a time when we felt like we needed to sort of replenish the younger demographic in the show and I think another key episode was when Georgie shows up on the ranch in a running away from her foster home and I think that was in season six and that's kind of the beginning of the next one of the second era of the show I really look at the first five years in a certain way and then Georgie Kate comes and sort of unsettles everything and we go on another journey so that episode and that trajectory was really key for the next leap forward um and then the ultimate culmination of the Amy Ty relationship was the wedding. So I don't know, I think there was such anticipation for the wedding and two people that we've known for so long. Um, so I think that was a really penultimate episode, seeing the anticipation and then really we let that wedding breathe. We didn't try to do a lot of story, we just wanted almost to experience the wedding as someone who was at the wedding. So it's kind of no longer a TV show, like you let the walk to the house and the horses you let people come down the aisle like we really at that stage of the show wanted people to feel like they were really there and I think that allowed that moment where Amy or Ty sees Amy in her dress for the first time and how that makes you know a groom feel and how maybe Amy felt walking down the aisle and then you see surrounded by family and everyone's reaction and tearing up to seeing them so it was sort of like we got to do a, almost a real wedding and so that was a, just a real highlight for the show um and really kind of what Heartland is all about. It's like a real family experience, and that's where that happened, which I thought was great. Wow. You look so beautiful. So, let's get this started. <laughs> Do you, Ty, take Amy to be your wife, your partner in life, and your one true love? Will you love her, comfort her, Honor her and protect her as long as you both shall live. I will. Do you, Amy, take Ty to be your husband, your partner in life, and your one true love? Will you love him, comfort him, honor him, and protect him as long as you both shall live? I will. Will you, family and friends, support and uphold Amy and Ty in their marriage now and in the years to come. We will. Yeah, it's, you know, TV's a funny thing because it's not all about the creative. It's not all about the money. You are making a product for people to enjoy and you have a certain restrictions. You have a certain amount of money. You have certain locations. You kind of have to do the best story you can within the framework that you have. And the key relationship for me, I think, from the beginning has been with Heather Conkey, the showrunner, um, because she holds the vision and the writing in her mind and what the show needs to be creatively. And there needs to be a collaboration of what the dream is with what the reality is. And I think you do your best work in television where you do everything creatively possible to make the very best show right up until the last minute or the last dollar or whatever you have you got to put it all on screen and so that collaboration is key where Heather gets to 
pushed for all of her dreams, but also knows that she needs to collaborate and find ways to solve problems that either take less time or cost less money. And so we've always tried to just put everything we can on the screen and push the boundaries all the time. But that relationship, if, if you don't have a relationship there that works, the show's never as good as it could be. And that collaboration then continues into editing and music and the vision of what the Heartland experience is. And, you know, Heather and I, I think have come to a point over all these years where we just can look at each other. We know whether a moment in the read through is right or a song in the audio post is right. Like we just know how we're supposed to feel. We have this sense of we want people to laugh. We want them to cry. We want them to feel goosebumps at certain moments. And so we have this kind of now this finely tuned radar that we get where we just know you can't always explain it, but you just know if it's right or not quite right, because we've got such a finely tuned vision of what Heartland needs to be for the audience to feel the way we want them to feel. So um, that's been really special. This also rarely do you get to collaborate with one person for 15 years. So there is a, a definite shorthand. So it's been a real highlight to be able to do that with her over these years. I guess, you know, everybody could have a different opinion on who the most prominent is, who is the most famous, who's the most popular. I think the people that I would want to highlight are Ian Tracy and Megan Follows because they are two of Canada's most iconic, finest performers over the years, over all these years. And for them to be sort of Ty's mom and stepfather in the show, um, sort of elevated, you know, bringing in guest characters at the very top level. And they're both such strong performers that, you know, whether it was Ian Tracy's intensity uh, and that conflict he had with Ty or seeing Megan follow struggle as Ty's mom, who was battling issues. Um, I think it just really elevated the, the family relationships that you don't, you only got to see every once in a while. So I think those are the two of the highlights for me. Turn around, get back in your car and leave. Ty. I can handle this. I can handle this. Yeah, come on, Ty. I'm not looking for any trouble. I don't give a damn what you're looking for. Turn around and go. Man, what happened to us? Huh? You know, it's all ancient history. I'm just really here to talk to your mom. Yeah? Well, maybe she doesn't want to talk to you. So leave now. Well, this this journey that we've been on, I think, has had, you know, multiple different eras. I talked about the first one, the Amy Ty relationship. The second era was really spurred on by Georgie. You know, the next the one that followed was kind of post uh, Amy Ty wedding and having children. I think those are sort of some of the tent poles that you look at when you're building, looking at the show kind of five years at a time. So. Um, you know, where we are now with, you know, Graham Wardle needing to leave the show and the character of Ty passing on, it is spurring a new Heartland era, which I think starts in season 15 and will progress in the future. So I think where it's going now is, you know, we spent, you know, season 14, you know, obviously there was a lot of, there's a lot of grief. Um, there was a lot of dealing with a character that we had known and loved. And I think season 15 is a bit of the, taking a step forward, but you're still, you know, one step back is grief, one step forward is the future, but we're in that middle zone where Amy's, you know, becoming a, is a single mother and she's trying to be the best mom and the best, you know, career person she can be. And I think we're going to, the next step after that is going to be a new beginning for her and could find joy and happiness in a whole new stage of her life. And I think we had to 
properly deal with the grief that we felt from Ty. And I also think there's a lesson in not staying in grief and moving forward. And so I think the next step, if you do it properly and slowly, Amy will find new joy and new happiness and new excitement. And I think that's really where the show will go in the future. And I also think, you know, with um, Bay McPherson playing Katie, I think we're also coming to a point where she's getting to the age where she's about to encounter a lot of firsts in life. She's 12 going on 13, you know, going into a certain stage of her life, which I think is going to be very exciting where we've had other characters in the past. And for one of our family members, like, you know, Lou's daughter to be going through some of these things too, I think is going to give us a whole new range of stories in the younger demographic, which I think will be exciting. And I'm excited to see where Lou goes as she decides, you know, what she's going to do with her relationship and how that's where that's going to go. So I think at the end of the day, you know, you know, one thing we want to continue to make people laugh. We want to continue to make people cry and feel you know, connected and excited about the characters and watching new seasons of the show. I love the structure where, you know, you look at the lead females and then you look at sort of a step behind that are some very strong male characters too. But I love that we're, you know, Amy and Lou, I think as sisters and strong women, I think it's a great, they're great examples for our viewers. And then seeing younger female characters grow into the show too is, is, uh, is great. So no, I'm quite happy with how that structure is. Thanks for being a part of this amazing journey. That concludes our latest episode of the official Heartland podcast. Tune in next time and we will have another special guest giving their intel on 15 seasons and the history of Heartland. We'll have new episodes of the podcast every Tuesday and Friday until the Heartland season 16 premiere on CBC and CBC Gem, Sunday, October 2nd.